Well, hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. And what a show we have for you. It is the WrestleMania 37 Roundtable. And I believe that the temperature from hell today is freezing because <laughs> joining us, Dan the Mouth Lavransky, and yes, Jason Agnew from Sunday night's main event here for the collaboration, the WrestleMania 37 Roundtable edition. Hello, guys. I, I would rather take the thin Lizzie approach and say the boys are back in town rather than rather than say hell's freezing over. The boys are back in town. That's how I see it. Well, there we go. Uh, well, there here we are after uh, a, a lengthy amount of time. Uh, Jay, it is good to chat with you. Oh, hi. How's it going? <laughs> it's going swell. It's going swell. Cool. Great. Mr. Ting, are you with us? I am here, and uh, yeah, this is uh, definitely um, probably a surprise, you know, occasion for a lot of people. Uh, but I think, you know, just to peek behind the curtain a little bit, um, this is not the first time, you know, we are interacting um, on air. It's or at the least. second. <laughs> the second time, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it is the first time we are interacting on air uh, after a long while, but we did have a private conversation, all of us, um, I guess without without mouth, but anyway. Uh, just to let everybody know, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, probably weirdness, you know, like everybody was thinking about, but between all of us, but um, it, you know, we are putting it all aside for the sake of WrestleMania. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how this goes. If ever there was a reason to all come together, it was Shane McMahon and Braun Strowman oh, coming up this you weekend to, that, yeah, you have to how can that, we possibly right? let this go? And not all of us get our, our shared views and opinions on such a historic showdown this week, where we will find out if a man is actually stupid or not. I, you know, I think that it, it's it's funny that we're doing this. And I think WWE and AEW really jumped on board this before we did, considering the announcement of Jericho and Stone Cold. And everyone's saying the forbidden door with that. And I'm like, ah, they got to it first. But, <laughs> well, well, they got to the announcement first, but we'll at least have this on the air or up online before people are allowed to see uh, what's going on with the Austin podcast on Sunday night, which probably for people like us is the most highly anticipated thing that is going on this weekend for WrestleMania. Well, I was going to ask you guys like how, how big of an event just that podcast is going to be this weekend in the mix of everything. Like I think it's going to be certainly a must see interview for people just to, See uh, how it's handled, uh, right down to does AEW provide them footage? What, what, how much of AEW is covered in that interview? That you know, for the busiest weekend of the year, I think they've been very smart to carve out a portion that people are going to be seeking out this interview on Sunday. I think a lot of people are more hyped for this than WrestleMania because a lot of the WrestleMania card has had a pretty poor build. Uh, there's not a lot of captivating matches, but as Jay mentioned, this is incredibly captivating to the wrestling fan to have these two guys from rival companies sit down and, and talk and just, you know, and you know, with Stone Cold, he's not going to beat around the bush. So I'm sure they're going to cover AEW and, and other Jericho stuff when, when he was in there. So it's, it's definitely going to be one of the highlights of the week. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm very, much looking forward to it but what it's going to come down to is if this going on the wwe network i mean who's the person that is editing this i mean who has creative control over it for instance on this particular podcast i'm going to edit out everything john and way say 
<laughs> well, we're not we're not giving any footage either, so it's going to be there. Very, you go, uh, right? No, but I mean, think about versions. that, right? This is something. This is something that is airing on the WWE Network via Peacock. Uh, some people have compared it to CM Punk being on Fox. So it's just curious what will make the final cut. And on top of that, so there's a certain portion that is going to be on the WWE Network. But does is there going to be an extended version that is available on Austin's audio podcast as well? Or is what's out there on WWE Network the only portion that is available to anyone? Well, maybe I think some, the- of it, some of it goes on Jericho's podcast, right? Maybe some of it ends up on his podcast. Maybe they do something where they both kind of share it. Yeah, I mean, like Austin's really like, I, I think like pretty much dialed back and I don't even know how much new stuff he's even putting on that uh, podcast feed any longer. I think what we see on Sunday is going to be it. Um, you know, the way it's been promoted, you have to cover AEW, but especially of these latest Austin ones, it's much more an entire career retrospective, which is what I think we're going to get out of this. And I, I guess that will be the ultimate question of how much you go into AEW. I mean, it's... To me, it's you can go as deep as you want, but I'm not expecting that. I don't okay, think it's just like to, just to be devil's advocate. Do you think they ignore AEW altogether? They like, can. They could yes. do. They could do that yes. too, though. They could. No, because that's what this all this whole thing is promoted around. It's like I'm not expecting them to get into you know rating stuff and you know Jericho being very discontent about anything related to WWE. But you have to uh, spend at least uh, enough that those people tuning in you are addressing AEW because that mm-hmm. that to me is the intriguing part of this. I think uh, you get a right. section where you have, you know, Jericho talking about his departure from the WWE, maybe what that moment in particular was like with Vince. But I, I don't really anticipate them spending detailed time on both New Japan and All Elite. You know, maybe a section condensing all of that stuff into one portion. But beyond that... um, You know, I am interested in the show, but it'll probably be more of a Monday morning, you know, after everything, after the dust is settled from the weekend type of thing for me. Hmm. Well, I mean, we're we're considering doing a watch along. That's how fascinating we think that it is, uh, even though it's coming on the tail end of WrestleMania. The nice thing about it, though, is with dividing WrestleMania on two nights you are less tired by the end of that second night because you have had the sleep in between as opposed to the eight hours that all of us used to go through. So I think there's still going to be a little bit of fuel in the tank, especially for the hardcore fans, which is really who this is aimed at. And I have seen, like, the day after this was announced, I posted it up on our page about WWE then highlighted Jericho's career on the WWE Network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really smart move for them to do this. It's like... um, you know, for for Peacock, for this being such a big launch period, I thought this was like a really smart move on their part. And I think people get really intrigued by the idea of WWE even acknowledging AEW. But to me, like they're doing it to their benefit on on their terms, on their platform. So I, I thought this was a great idea that sounds like it was largely spurred on by Austin and Jericho. But I think very smart of WWE to approve it and and go this direction. I think Austin, you can only go th- through so many roster members that are going to have a level of buzz to them. And I'd say very few are going to have this level of intrigue. This kind of opens it up to go to non-WWE performers that are, are going to be of interest. And there's only a handful of them that are out there that this Austin podcast can be an outlet for that WWE benefits from. So is it a one-time thing or... Do we then see someone like 
well, we don't want the repeat of the John Moxley, but maybe we do want repeat of John Moxley because that was a horrendous podcast when it was Ambrose and Austin. But now he's much more comfortable and maybe he can say more and maybe it would be fun to watch them comment on what happened before. Or do we someone see someone like Kenny Omega pop up here or is this a one and done? I would think that they're only going to stick to people that were formerly on their roster. I don't see them doing one with Kenny Omega. I could see one. He was with- there. Moxley. He was there. He was a oh, jobber. Yeah, for what? A cup of coffee? Like, come on, you know. The deep, the deep dive into deep south. Yeah, Kenny Omega. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if they would go to other AEW guys. Like, you're not going to see, you know, Darby Allen, or you're not, you know, I don't know. Does he do someone? Has he done Sting before? I don't think so. I don't think so. That would be. An, I mean, that would draw a huge amount of viewers as well. Um, even though Vince probably wouldn't care because he doesn't care about Sting, as we've That's seen right. over and over again. Well, I guess, guys, just looking ahead at the format for the two nights, splitting it up into two nights, you know, they're listed as like three-hour windows. Obviously, they could go a little longer than that, but I, I think that is going to make a giant difference in people's uh, takeaways from the show because, as you mentioned, Jay, getting away from the seven-hour format, I don't care what you've got on that card – you hit burnout four hours in. And I thought last year, uh, that was one of the positives, I thought, of breaking them up. And you're at least going to have an environment unlike last year. And three and a half hour shows, I think that's much, much more significant to stomach than than the marathon format. So does it continue? Because I think that's the bigger question here. I mean, this is, we've seen New Japan do this for two nights already, and they've done it two years back to back, and it seems like that's become a tradition. And the first year was done pretty much via necessity. This year, though, we've got fans in the stands again. Has WWE gone this direction, and are they sticking with it, do you think? I know we're still in a pandemic, but... I mean, uh, on behalf of, of of all of us who have to watch everything, I think the two-night event is the way to go. I certainly think that they've learned from, you know, the benefits of having these shorter shows. The entire year, we've seen them condense their, the length of these pay-per-views to, you know, sometimes, most of the time, sub three hours, maybe sometimes even sub an hour, two hour, two and a half hours. So I think they understand the benefits of it, and I think they understand that an eight-hour show or a seven-hour show that like they used to do for WrestleMania is not helping anybody. It's not helping the quality of their show. It's draining the audience that's actually paying to go there. This year, I found it really interesting to see that they were keeping this to you know what, what seems to be a three- to four-hour window because they do have paying audiences. Uh, so in the future, it tells me that they're probably just as willing to do the same, three to four hours, maybe you know like five at the max. Yeah, I think it benefits everybody all around. I mean, it benefits the live crowd, I think. It benefits us sitting at home. And I won't get nearly as hammered if the show is divided up into two nights. Because by the end of the eight hours, I could barely stand half the time. You get hammered both nights, though, Mouth. But that's no different than any other night. No, but you can pace it a little bit better when you only have three hours rather than seven. When you have seven or eight, that's asking for trouble. This is the market research I don't think they tap into enough with their fan base. Uh, I think the trouble you run into, though, for next year is the idea of running AT&T Stadium on consecutive right. nights. Right, I, right. Just, I just don't see – I mean, granted, we are in the pandemic and such, but uh, these shows, like, there's still tickets available for at a scaled-down format. And I think in a venue that size next year, it's just too ambitious to run back-to-back nights, um, even with one night. I mean, who's to say who's going to be around next year? Because uh, like this lineup we have this year, even if you were to combine it into one night, uh, I don't see that putting 80,000 people into AT&T Stadium. 
Like you're going to have to go outside and all those key players are going to be a year older and who's going to be around next year. I mean, I kind of see next year as Lesnar and Reigns. And then when they go to LA the year afterwards, that's rock and Reigns. And I think that's the master plan that they have for the next two years to try to draw WrestleMania audiences as large as they will have to be. Well, that, if they bring Rock back, then they will be able to fill the AT&T Stadium, I think. No, I think that's two years away, though. I think that's oh, L.A. as opposed to right. next oh, year. L.A., okay. Right, right. Undertaker can come back next year and just maybe <laughs> die in the ring. Yeah, he just, he just goes out and lays down. That's it. <laughs> in terms of the first night, uh, what, what do you guys th- see uh, closing the show? I guess it's down to two options in the women's title match and Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I think Bobby and Drew has had the most, you know, attention and TV time, but uh, something tells me it's going to be Bianca and Sasha. Uh, And part of the reason is because I don't rule out that Lashley will retain. Uh, I think for sure Bianca is going to win. So maybe they'd want to end that first night with a babyface win. I think they're going to go with the women's match, too, as the main event, just to shake things up for the two nights and then have the the three-way on the second night as the main event instead of having two somewhat similar matches headlining each night. And and I think people are, are, are very much into Bianca Belair and that, and I think they would... I think they would get into seeing that match. And I'm not so sure that Lashley's going to win either way. I, I kind of think it's going back to McIntyre. Possible. I think it's going back to McIntyre as well, but I think you have the ability for a star-making moment here for Bianca Belair, and they finally figured out that Sasha Banks is and should be a heel um, after not promoting her on The Mandalorian, which has been ridiculous all year long. Uh, so if you're going to do that, and for the sake of you know putting a focus on women's wrestling, you don't have Charlotte on the card this year. The Rhea Ripley-Oscar thing is very rushed and doesn't make all that much sense. So that is your strongest women's match. You're going to put on night one, have it main event. It does check a lot of boxes. I honestly feel bad for Drew McIntyre. I mean, here's a guy who's pushed his way through. He finally got his big WrestleMania win last year to no fans. But I've I was doing um I was doing a podcast yesterday and, and I think K. Trevor Wilson brought up the fact that you you have both Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre uh with a very similar story of having to go away from WWE in order to grind it out and come back and become champion. So both of these guys are telling the same story, but ultimately it would be nice to see Drew get his big win. Um but I don't think it'll be in the main event slot. Yeah, I could I, see it. It could even be down lower because I wouldn't be surprised if they put uh, Shane and Braun as like co the co-main event on that show. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they put out first, because that's going to be such a rabid response that you're get, you're going to get that. I would say if you're not going on last, it's almost as advantageous to want to be in that opener spot. And I guess that's, you know, wide open to however you want to start it. But so did I you mean, say rabid or rabbit? Is it bad bunny that you're suggesting to come out there and wrap his way to the ring? And, and I would not be, I would not be starting with bad bunny, but um, <laughs> it, it might be, you know, honestly, uh, you know, you bring up the fact, uh, well, we were moving over to the second night, like honestly, Orton and the fiend would be best served to just be first. And no, you get that over best with. served to be not there at all. Well, it's like, where do you even put this where so much of an element of this is that you can't do all the hocus pocus in front of a live crowd and there's got to be some cinematic portion to that match. You really risk just turning that crowd off uh, that I would put that on earlier rather than late on the second night. 
I think that yeah. can go in the middle of the show. I think it'll be a way to potentially, you know, act as a something to break up, you know, the a typical string of maybe in-ring matches. I definitely expect some sort of cinematic element. And, you know, and this to me will be no different than like a musical performance in the middle of a WrestleMania. It would be it's nice a tough one. Was- I wish they were doing a lights out match and they would just leave the lights out and we wouldn't have to watch it. <laughs> Dexter Loomis comes in, turns off the lights and that's it. We get 20 minutes of darkness and we just we don't have to put up with it because I so do not want to see that match. You know, it's obviously there for Shane to do his big stunt off the cage. The story has been terrible. <laughs> like, what are we talking about now? Are we back on that match or are we over I, at I was or, talking about The Fiend. We were talking about The oh, Fiend, sorry. Mouse. <laughs> I'm preoccupied. But, but I mean, I, I'm, sure Mouse, already. I'm sure Mouse's thoughts apply just the same for The Fiend match. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. I, I think you're right to put it somewhere near the beginning because if it's the at the end, that's what people remember, right? When he set him on fire at that one show, that was the big thing that everybody remembered at the end and we all hated it. So I would think that, yeah, I could, You, they might even start with it just to get it out of the way. You never know. I, okay, so hold on. We, we, so we didn't see any live action from The Fiend and Randy Orton this nothing. week on Raw. We saw nothing at all. So I, I, I'm wondering, you know, they haven't fully stated that this match is going to be in ring. John, you also brought up that there has to be a cinematic element. Last year, if you remember back, it was John Cena and The Fiend, and it was just a, an acid trip, essentially. I mean, I'm wondering if they just go that exact same direction this year. They haven't announced everything. They know expectations are low. It's barely a match at all. And yep. they just perhaps put it after some because uh, I'm staring at the card here and I'm trying to figure out if there's another crescendo on the card midway through to be able to then put this afterwards so the fans can all uh, go pee after, you know, celebrating a nice moment and they'll just roll this tape. I I, I mean, I, I think it'll be different from a Firefly Funhouse match because I think if they if it was that they would have promoted it as, as a Firefly Funhouse match. This is just straight up like Randy Orton versus The Fiend. Um, I do think there will be some sort of, you know, cinematic element, but I think ultimately it'll probably end in ring with this, some, you know, something. Yeah. This, this one to me, it's like, why is this even happening? I mean, we've seen this with him and Randy Orton countless times. I don't believe it was ever successful. I don't believe anybody's ever liked a fiend Randy Orton match. Yet here we are again. It's like they're mining a dirt field and there's nothing there. I'm just so sick of this feud they've pretty well done everything what are they gonna do like burn the building this match will have to be last because they're gonna burn the building down or some horse shit so i i don't know i'm just so tired of this feud like it just needs to go away if one i would love one of them to get hurt before the weekend and we can't have the match well that's a bold prediction (laughs) that's Uh, where i'm coming from mouth is rooting for covid to win this match that's right they already did its job on nxt let's get the fiend now uh, you know, looking at the rest of the card for night one, like I can't say this is the the night that to me really stands out. I think a lot of it is going to rest on, you know, the, the two title matches we talked about with Lashley and Drew and Sasha and Bianca Belair and the rest of this. I think Cesaro and Seth Rollins like that to me is your big bell to bell match that given the lineup and you've got seven matches like this should be a, a rare year where you're not looking at a match like that. That's going to only get your eight or nine minutes like they should have the time to go out there and have a a fantastic match which i think seth rollins desperately needs right now because i hate this character i don't i don't necessarily know if 
that match for the way that they've built it is all built around one spot and it's 37 spins. And I think the match is just going to come about with Cesaro continually going for the spin and he'll finally accomplish it. So I actually think the work rate of the match is going to be pushed aside due to the gimmick that's been pushed. I think you could have both, you know, I think you could tell the story of him hunting for the swing while, you know, the two of them engage in a, in a, in a, good match you know I, I as far as like you know work rate on the card i'm looking at that i'm looking at sasha banks and bianca belair to really bring it and i think bobby lashley and drew mcintyre will be really good too um of course you have aj styles you know and and he can always do the heavy lifting for him and almost in, in that match with the new day but um you know the excitement to me of that match is actually more so seeing what almost does uh what he how he is able they've they've like set up a lot of expectations for this guy they've really given him any sort every sort of shortcut that they have to promote him as a big deal so how they're going to push him in that match will be fascinating to me to see what sort of stunt shane mcmahon does is another Uh, point of fascination we're gonna have to uh, bear through the rest of the match though but um i i'm curious to see what he jumps off of well, it'll be, I'm sure it'll, it's a cage match, is it not? So I'm sure it's going to be. See, it's got to be bigger than that. Don't you think, Mouth? We've seen him jump off of a hell in a cell. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. You know, it has to involve jumping and it usually has to involve going through the announce table. So I'm just trying to figure out what options are there, unless they were going to do the three tiered cage, like in WCW and he climbs maybe, all the way to the top of that. And maybe it'll be Braun falling off the cage, you know? Like that's the sort. I really want to throw. I think it's a matter of maybe is, Braun is falls Shane... off the cage and then Shane gives him a, a splash or a elbow or something. I could see it happening. I think it's a matter of is Shane jumping or is he being thrown? I think it's one one of those two things is going to be happening in that match. And also, I mean, you brought up almost. I think he's walking away a champion there as well. I think that they're going to do. Yeah, I do shape. too. I think they're, they're winning the belts. So they're, they're going to have to book him like he's with him. It's really simple. You just give him a few monster spots in the match where he shows off the power and the dominance. And then, like you said, way AJ gets AJ can do the rest of the match. Just have him in there once in a while for some big spots. You know, AJ can jump off his shoulders and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, w- you we can go over the tag team turmoil match. But uh, why? Let's uh, not, let's uh, unless what either of you expect. Do either of you expect uh, Charlotte and Bailey on this card in any form or fashion? I guess this is one spot, though. I think that feels so uninspiring to just throw them into this mix. But this is a um, a pretty nothing match uh, without them. It's your classic get everybody on the card match, right? Just throw everybody out there because we want them all on the card. I don't think we're going to see Bailey or Charlotte on this show. They're pretty you well persona last- non grata. The last time we saw Bailey, she stopped doing a vignette and walked away. And that was like the last time. Mm. It was, it's been very strange. She just seems to be uh, been forgotten about. So I'm wondering if they're doing a gimmick swap there. They could put them in there. It makes for a more interesting match the following day with Nia and Shayna. But I, I've really seen a push for um, Lana and Naomi to <sighs> be getting a WrestleMania moment and, and, and beating Nyan Shayna that following day. There's the crescendo before the Bray Wyatt match. I still feel on this show that we're getting Nia Jax taking out Carmella for her treatment of Reginald, and Billy Kay is all at her lonesome, and out comes Peyton Royce. And they put them back together? Yes, we retconned this whole last eight months. Mm, Yep. 
Uh, it was a mistake to break them up. That's for sure. You know, everybody likes them better together. They're doing nothing apart from each other. So I, I'm quite disappointed because I think this whole thing could have been a great way to set up the riot squad. You know, if like after that Liv Morgan documentary that aired on the network, I felt like that was such a uh, there was quite a to me, there was a bit of momentum online between, you know, behind Liv Morgan and wanting to see her kind of overcome like, you know, a past year of really non nothing type of booking uh, leading up to this particular moment in WrestleMania beating somebody like Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Uh, but unfortunately, they're just, you know, another forgotten team in that division with really no push to be found. So uh, it's, you know, it's to me just a, a kickoff match. There was Let's a move point on over. where I thought that it would have been okay if they were going to integrate the NXT brand before they decided to do the NXT tag titles. And I thought this could have been the moment where you did have the NXT competitors come up, whether it's Raquel and Dakota or whether it's Ember and Shotzi, either one for NXT to be represented and take the titles away from Nia and Shane. There could have been the ultimate revenge on the biggest stage. And it would have been great to introduce new characters, but clearly... They have not made that decision, so instead, Naomi and Lana. Yeah, Just so I, we can see Lana go through the table again. That's that's the only reason that's there, I'm sure. Although the, Shane might get mad. Shane might get mad and say, No, you can't go through the table. That's my spot. Well, I mean you have to you have to delicate uh table spots on the on this particular show. So Lana Lana might be out of luck for her big moment <laughs> on on night one. Uh but night two, let's let's chat about that. Uh with Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. Uh, for the Universal Championship. I think this has been the the best built-up match uh, of either night. And I think you can make interesting arguments for any three to go over in this match. I just can't see them ending off this weekend where they don't know when they're going to be back in front of fans without a big babyface victory. So that's why I see Daniel Bryan winning this. And then you can spin him off. I think it makes all the sense in the world that Edge does not take the fall, but doesn't leave with the title. So he gets screwed out of that shot and you can spin that off. Uh, but this way, you don't think Edge takes the fall here? You yeah, I wouldn't. I Brian wouldn't. is not beating Edge for this. I would, I would have Brian. I mean, you've already, to me, I'd be looking at, at this point with Roman Reigns that he loses here. He's already tapped out, and the story to me has been how Brian has screwed up everything for him, and Edge loses here without getting pinned or submitted. Wow. I, I thought that they're they're doing this. They've got three people in here to allow Roman to lose the title without getting pinned. I just see everyone wants to see this Brian-Edge match. To me, that's the most interesting yeah. dynamic of the three, that that sets up your singles match between these two, and I think just to maximize that... Edge should be the one that doesn't lose the fall. Personally, me, I wish they'd really just left Daniel Bryan out of the whole thing because I really like the story with Edge and Roman Reigns better and the fact that you could have give Edge the big WrestleMania victory after he's come back from the previous WrestleMania there where he had to give up his career and all that stuff and to have him win the title. I thought they might... um, also go the route of keeping it on Reigns and then doing something with Edge and Bryan and spinning them off in a program of some kind. I think there are a bunch of ways you could spin off this program. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah, maybe like one sort of finish would lead you directly better into the other one. But no matter what happens, they can build to the next match. I like, look, they had Daniel, they had Roman pinned Daniel Bryan in like 30 seconds in the last pay-per-view. And he's all, all of a sudden is in the main event. 
So I, I, you know, I think by the time they have to build to their next pay per view, whatever match they want to go to, we'll probably have forgotten exactly what specific finish they use for this. But I personally see Brian winning this one. I still can't believe that they just decided to push aside the comeback story of Edge yeah, from heel. Yeah, but we might also be biased of people that have watched him for so many years, and along with that, he's Canadian. But his his most compelling characters have always been heels. But in this particular place, I felt like he crossed over in his mouth, as you always say. There gets to be that point where you don't want to boo someone. We saw right. it with Ric Flair, you know. And I kind of thought Edge had hit that point, but. Hey, maybe not. To me, the ma- the main really amazing WrestleMania moment would have just been Roman versus Edge. Edge wins the title. Last image you see is him winning the title. He's crying. He's come back after ten years. Like it's such a it's such a great story. I thought inserting Brian in it really kind of wrecked it. Christian comes out. He says he's going to do the Stone Cold podcast as well. <laughs> Massive invasion angle. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hilarious because you look at how this got to this three way and it's like this is not a case where it's like the audience just suddenly started turning on no. edge. You had complete no. control of this. It's almost yes. like they they just felt like this um, this momentum shifting. You put Brian into this um, because, I, again, like you don't even know what the reactions are going to be like uh, for any of them. But you could very well see a case where. All three of these guys are received very positively from this crowd. It's especially Roman Reigns. This is the first time an audience has got to interact with this heel version of Roman Reigns that ultimately is going to get cheered, I think, once you have uh, fans back. That's an interesting point, the idea of what it's going to be like for these shows with people actually in the stadiums. And because it hasn't happened for so long, and I know we always worry that, you know, that the fans will crap on something or they'll hijack something. But honestly, this, because it's been so long since any fans been able to uh, participate in a live setting like this, I think the, I think the crowd's going to eat up everything. I really do. I think, I think they're going to be pretty excited. I think so. Uh, Oscar and Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship that, uh, well, we found out on Monday the two could not coexist in a non-title match where Rhea Ripley sold for the whole match and then turned on Asuka. I thought this was dreadful on Monday night, but uh, mm-hmm. here we are. The introduction of Rhea Ripley was going to have a live uh, musical performance for her entrance. Great. Yeah. For the heel? Because she's the heel, right? Even mm-hmm. though she had a great... Showing in the Royal Rumble, Rumble, Rhea is the heel. To me, that right there is a complete mistake with this character. Imagine what this story could have been with her um, not winning the Rumble, but even placing second. That's fine. And then somehow you got the belt on Charlotte and Rhea got her win back this year and would have made everything make sense from last year when Triple H said, don't worry, we got something planned. Well, who knows what went on with Wait until it plays out. Wait until it plays out. That's what we were told last year. Yeah, I thought there was like a whole lot you could have done with Rhea Ripley in these last few months. And it just seemed the least creative idea was holding her off until she walked out and pointed to the sign to get her title match. And then the two opponents teamed together on the go home raw. And that's about the depth of this program uh, going into Sunday. So I found this to be very disappointing for Someone in Rhea Ripley that you've had basically a year to reintroduce her onto the main roster after she was on last year's WrestleMania card. Well, I really feel I- like Charlotte was supposed to play a role in this entire thing. Whether or not she was supposed to replace Oscar or just be figured into a three-way, 
And to me, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we learned later that, like, Rhea was in a bit of a holding pattern waiting for whatever was going on with Charlotte. Who knows what? Um, so really unfortunate. I think at the very least, we can expect a great match between these two. Um, at least we, we can hope for for that. Whether or not, like, you know, the time is right for a title change for Rhea Ripley as a dominant heel. Um, I'm not exactly sure. But at the same time, I think Asuka's held onto this belt long enough to achieve anything. And... I would probably give it to Rhea Ripley for a fresh direction. That's I don't think I they're going it. that way, though, uh, considering the past two televisions where you've seen a definite advantage for for Ripley. It, I would be surprised if they let her three in a row knock down Asuka. Mm. Uh, then we've got the first and hopefully only Nigerian drum fight oh. for the Intercontinental title. No limits, uh, no rules, just beating someone and so... No sense. So loudly, it sounds like a drum. That is how this was built with Big E and Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental. Are, are they going to have drums at ringside? Like, are going to are they going to be fighting amongst drum kits or big Congo drums or something? Like, is there any actual representation of a drum here? Or it will be definitely be drums ringside. I bet because it's always whenever I've seen bands get in fights and they fight amongst the drums, it's awesome. It's crazy. I think the, I think they should give the audience drums. <laughs> so like can, in what, Karate guys... Kid, like in Karate Kid, where they all have the little drums in the audience. Yeah, oh, I like yeah. it. I like it. Cobra Kai's it, hot. The thing, the thing with this whole thing is like this is the classic one. It's like why couldn't you do some vignettes? How he comes out on TV just one week, he's got an accent, he's from Nigeria, he's royalty. Like, come on, you could have easily had him disappear for a while and do some vignettes and bring him back properly. You can't. In this day and age, you can't change people on a dime like that and expect people to get behind them. This I've match a, is... You know. I've been a defender of the gimmick because of the way it was introduced. I mean, in the really? idea, I think, from the beginning was supposed to be, in my opinion, it was supposed to be... Cruz, Cruz came out and said, you know, this is how I sound. I know this is not the way you know, like, you've heard me before, but I'm going to speak this way in spite of... You know, you guys, like, I'm going to do it to spite you guys because I've been told throughout my entire life that I cannot sound like this. So I'm going to purposely sound like this just to mock you guys for thinking that, you know, uh, for thinking somebody like me can't be myself. And that's not a point that I think they've hit on any time after that. I was just about to say that never came. It's not something that Big E has ever sold or even acknowledged in his promos. Like, I, I just simply wanted Big E to say, can you stop using that stupid accent? I know that's not how you sound. You're doing it to annoy us purposely. Like, he'd never sold it. So as a result, I think you're just kind of left with people, you know, really criticizing just how cartoonish this whole thing has felt. This just goes back to my theory, and I've said it on the show uh, a couple times. Vince McMahon <laughs> loves coming to America. <laughs> If you look back, I'm actually serious about this now. Coming to America <laughs> was released in 1988. And all of a sudden, the one-man gang is turned into Akeem for Prince Akeem in Coming to America. Along with that, the band in Coming to America is called Sexual Chocolate. So this year, we get Coming to America, the sequel that comes out, and boom, we've got another Coming to America character on WWE television. This time, it's Apollo Crews. Well, I, they still could have done something like that, but I just think the presentation should have been a lot better. Way, your interpretation is very interesting, but you had to come up with that interpretation. He they said did that in his us. first promo. I don't he, remember that. I don't remember him saying that, yeah. 
Well, yeah, you know, it was on a SmackDown. I think it's overall just a program that has just greatly run its course because this is like their fifth singles match at this point where yeah. Biggie Biggie has beaten this guy like a drum for the last two months, and there has been zero explanation as to why Cruz has just repeatedly gotten all of these shots, and it seems that. Well, here is our gimmick idea for the latest match, and uh, this is one to me that just needed a lot more uh, story attached to it, and instead it's just been uh, just recycling the same match over and over again and not really given any answer as to why. So uh, Apollo wins. Apollo wins on this show. It's No, his- no, that's the logical ex- expectation after all of this. I expect Big E to retain and defend it at the next pay-per-view against Apollo. And Cruz. that's where Apollo wins. I so. <laughs> uh, uh, brutal. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, with Logan Paul as the special guest that I'm hoping ends with Owens stunning Logan Paul and not uh, if they want to leave WrestleMania with Logan Paul as the baby face. Good luck. I think that's what they're going to try for Logan Paul punching out Sami Zayn to get ready for his fight. Is uh, is Jake Paul going to show up too? Are we going to get a Ben Askren cameo in this? Maybe uh, as well? I'd love to see Ben Askren cut a promo. He's fantastic at that. This is another angle for me that it's just like I mean we've seen this done a million times. This is what they did when the two of them came into the promotion the first time. Like it's just an angle and a story that's been done to death. And I, I uh, as soon as they started going in this direction again, I'm like, I'm not interested. It's just I've seen it way too many times. And to go back to it now, just because you almost feel like you've got nothing else to do. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm just tired of it. I do this- think like this match came together sort of in that way. I think Zane's been awesome in this character. I really love the conspiracy theorist. And I think he's been fantastic uh, with Owens. um, you know, he was fantastic in the Reigns program, and it just seemed like after that, he was very much like that felt like that was a one pay-per-view program that they extended through the Rumble. And after the fact, it was, well, where does Owens fit in? And this was the answer. Like, this felt like it could have been anyone inserted into this. Uh, you are leaning on the backstory of these two. But at the same time, like, I think this should be a great match. And I guess you get your whatever involvement with Logan Paul as your 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 clip to circulate everywhere after the fact. But I think it's a big question of like, does Logan Paul really uh, attract interest here? He's gotten an, an enormous following, but does that translate to people having the interest to watch this show for him? It's interesting, both with Logan Paul and with Bad Bunny. They're not really traditional celebrities to be used by WWE, but I do think it's a conscious effort on their part to be able to grab onto audiences that they do not have, a younger audience than what they normally go for. And if you look even comparatively to AEW, who used Shaq, and that wasn't – I mean, his performance was excellent, and I think we probably all enjoyed it, but it didn't really turn into the viewers that they wanted. And I think they're trying a different route here in WWE with these WrestleMania celebrities, and kudos to them for trying. Um, Neither one does much for me, though. Well, what is a a traditional celebrity anymore? I think, you know, all celebrities these days are more and more niche. Um, And so, you know, especially to reach a younger audience, they are going to have to go a bit more niche, and maybe that means a Logan Paul for me, okay. like what what story appears on screen is definitely secondary to I think maybe just the the idea that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, you know, two guys who have um, just wrestled everywhere together in front of the smallest crowd, now finally getting a singles match with one another at a WrestleMania. There's a personal story there that is not being told on TV that I think is bigger than anything that they could fabricate. It's very true. Yeah, it's very true. 
It's and then the card celebrity, the celebrity stuff is hard because it's such a hard pick to, to you know, I mean, look at it, the, the Hall of Fame. They're going to put in William Shatner and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just I just feel they need to pick celebrities that are, you know, more well known to the general public. I mean, I know nothing about Logan Paul or yeah, Bad the mouth. We just that's the point. That's the point. They have the 50 year old demographic. They're trying to aim younger. And that's the goal. Okay, then how about this then? Oh, no, this might be old too. Why isn't uh, Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall with Apollo Crews then? No, that's that's completely <laughs> an older demographic that plays off nostalgia. But it's a new movie. <laughs> Coming okay, to America I, too, it's new. What's there's, next? There's no chance. There's no chance they could get the, either of them. Even Unless Eddie Murphy was going to oh, loan, it, loan his Bugatti for an angle. I mean, th- then they might be open to it. I think ultimately, like... For, for modern day pro wrestling, when you're seeking these celebrities, like, yes, the number one thing is what is their reach. But number two is like, how on board are they for this? Like if like a Logan Paul, you're, like for Shaq, I agree with you, Jay, like he was great on that show. You didn't so much as get a tweet out of this guy promoting any no. of this stuff ahead of time. At least with Logan Paul, he's talking about this. Bad Bunny's training at the Performance Center. So yeah, it's like that to know. me is the combination of their reach, but also They've got to be on board because it's very transparent when it's just a payday and a celebrity showing up for an appearance. So that's what they're they're seeking to do here. And I guess that's that's the test of having some celebrity involvement for both nights uh, for this weekend. Avoiding uh, the Jeremy Piven factor. Yes. Yeah. Summerfest was not so much uh, a that's success. Right. Uh, and then we rounded out with Riddle and Sheamus uh, and Nia Jax and Shayna defending the tag titles um, as the resident. uh stoner on this call mouth i mean riddle has been to me the most detestable figure i would say on television i'm not even going to leave it to pro wrestling i i despise this character um with a passion well again it's like jay was talking about it's a character that is like decades old it's kind of based on that louis piccoli thing from uh fast times at ridgemont high that's going to appeal to guys like me um but i don't i don't enjoy it either i think he's been totally wasted since he came up to the main (laughs) good choice of words totally wasted since he came up to the main roster because it's it's idiotic every week he comes across like an idiot he's zipping around on his scooter like he just yeah he's just like a really annoying character at this point i don't see anybody really getting behind him i i yeah i i find it annoying when he's on it's another I mean, match match where I, I I choose to ignore what I've seen every single week on TV and just focus on the wrestling because these two have shown that they have great chemistry, uh, especially when they, things can get very physical and and a bit more kind of aggressive and stiff between the two. So I, I look forward to the match itself. I wish there was actually a bit of a stipulation attached to this one, a Nigerian drum fight maybe. <laughs> Well, there's a belt attached to this one. I mean, you do have that. You have the United States Championship attached. I'm wondering if they open it and do some sort of parody of the Daniel Bryan, what, 15 or 17 second win that they did with Sheamus years ago and play off that with these two. Or maybe he has like a really elaborate entrance with like the some grand scooter entrance that he's going to be coming in that's going to have some, you know, explosive pyro. Maybe this will be the first guy to come out uh, on the night. He, I mean, he should come down on the scooter for for sure and do something spectacular. I mean, we've seen Darby Allen utilize the skateboard very, very well in AEW. And if it wasn't so goofy, I guess it could work. 
What if when he kicks the flip-flops off, instead of the graphics, it's actual birds that are dispersed from ringside that fly throughout the stadium? I love it. <laughs> yeah, they could do that. Yeah. And then we'll fit in The Fiend and Randy Orton somewhere on the second night. And that's WrestleMania. We got 14 yeah. matches announced over two nights. And I, I honestly believe like the show length is going to have a great uh, factor on how people enjoy these shows. Because um, I think if you keep them to three three hours, 15 minutes, I think that's going to be pretty positively received, especially if you go off with Bianca Belair and Daniel Bryan as your champions. I think you're going to end on on pretty significant high notes uh, that I'm optimistic in people enjoying these shows for ju- just the, the format of them alone. Sure. Along with being able to watch a show with a live crowd as well, uh, yeah. that will be refreshing after this entire year. So they have the, you know, they have those things working in favor. I think that we've said it so many times on this show, though, especially you, Way. You said I'm going to ignore the build and enjoy the match. There's been a lack of build and a lack of thought to a lot of these from Oscar and Rhea, from Sammy and Kevin, Riddle and Sheamus. You know, these have all potential to be great matches. But again, I'm not invested in the storyline, so it's already got something working against it. I'd even go and throw Banks and Bel Air. Like when Bel Air won the Royal Rumble, I thought they had an incredible match on their hands to to build up. And I think all of the Reginald stuff and this necessity that we have to have these weekly stories, I think it's hurt the buildup for this, and I'm glad they've gotten Reginald removed from this mix, but uh, to me, that match is not at the level I think it should have been, even though I think that the match will be very well received, and that's what people will likely remember, but I I can't say like the last two months has enhanced that match for me. It already started off at a pretty significant place, and I think it's in spite of a lot of the weekly television that people are still interested in this. Part of the issue is the fact you had both of these characters being tweeners. Um, you know, you had the big win from Bel Air, but she and she had the celebration, but then went back and forth with the babyface heel to me. And Sasha, who plays out as a heel constantly, was still being pushed as a babyface. So there was that dynamic that they still had to establish before starting to build this feud. And it was late to the game. Uh, do you guys want to spend a few minutes just chatting about the uh, the takeover cards? Uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. Ten matches uh, between the two. We've got Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez night one. And then the two big matches promoted for night two, Finn Balor and Karrion Cross, And the unsanctioned match between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, which I could see ending off the second night. I would not want to be Balor and Cross following this because I think those two are going to get probably 30 minutes. And I think that that to me would be the match I would end the second night with. The fact Adam's that they've done live up so to his much. Girlfriend. Oh, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. The fact that they've put so much promotional power between that single match ahead of everything else on, uh, across either TakeOver tells me that they will probably end both nights of TakeOver with that particular match. That That is the match I'm looking forward to the most. But I think about, on both nights, you have a really, really stacked lineup. Uh, beyond that, it's, man, look at night one with Walter versus Ciampa, who, you know, like the build has been fine. It's just really been as simple as I think it needs to be. I want that guy. You know, from T- Tommaso Ciampa. And it's like, it's it's a match that sells itself on paper. Same with Pete Dunne versus Kushida. There's really no storyline leading to that. But to me, it's like a, a bit of a dream match, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, you know the main event of that night with Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez, I think will be the biggest test, obviously, of Raquel Gonzalez's career. I think she'll do great. Uh, and, you know, whether or not we get a title change, I don't think so. Um, but 
you know, it, it'll probably be a star-making night for her. I think we do see that title change, actually. I think that it's a long time coming. They were kind of late to the game after the War Games win because Raquel got the pin on EO in War Games, and they should have gone right there. But they've waited. They've done it here. I think EO's had her time in NXT. She needs to move to one of the other brands. And Raquel's dominant. I mean, the... the how this woman has improved has been absolutely insane. And part of it is the way she's been pushed as well. I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, I would I would say that Ra- Raquel to me is one that it's like she seems so tailor made that I wonder if they're earmarking her for the main roster uh, above oh. EO. Like that would be my only hesitation of her winning this because I think they're all in. She has improved dramatically over this past year and I think has every attribute that they'd be uh, looking at. And conversely, on the second night, I think you, you look at the same with a carry and cross, that it's either time to put the title on him or this is his swan song to go to the main roster himself. And I think that would be probably a better avenue for carry and cross than NXT. Um, so th- those are kind of some of the interesting um, figures to, to watch on both nights. But yeah, this is uh, this is a... a stacked pair of lineups for for both nights and it looks like that both will be airing on the network internationally as well including the uh, the the Wednesday night one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simulcast and commercial free on the network, right? Yeah. So that that's interesting. Uh, I think Carrion does make the move. I, I mean, I don't yeah. like the character. I don't like the performer. I think Scarlet is the best part of the act, but I do think that he is making the move and therefore I guess Balor is retaining there. Um, it might have been smart to do something with the demon uh, at this point because that's an uh, you know an undefeatable character in the folklore of wrestling and therefore wouldn't make Cross look too bad uh, to to lose. It'll be interesting to see how they get around that to have him lose and then shelve him to another brand. But he's yeah he he belongs in one of the other two. I see the the next opponent for Drew McIntyre after he wins the title. Do, does anyone see the the possibility of them looking at now that the move to Tuesday is happening that they look at Finn Balor that was you know he was a main roster performer that this experiment is over and it's time to bring him back to Raw or Smackdown very possible yeah I think so and maybe swap him out for somebody else that's supposed to move on to Tuesdays um I think either either situation is possible it's a pretty unpredictable match and I don't think you would be going wrong with either scenario which is good, which, which is, I mean, that's the one thing that we can say for matches on this card, and especially with the three-way on Mania as well, the fact that we're sitting here wondering who's going to win, there's no foregone conclusion, and there isn't even the, well, we think this person, but it's WWE, so it's going to be the other guy. There isn't even that on these two cards. These two cards have a bunch of question marks, and that's the way wrestling should be. And, and plus, NXT, it's the workhorse. Those are the workhorse shows. Those are the shows where you're going to get the killer wrestling, like Way mentioned with... You you know, Walter against Tomasa Champa and stuff like that, where you're going to get all the gimmicks and the silly stuff on Mania, your drum matches and fiends and guys jumping off cages. And then on TakeOver is where you really get the solid work. And for me, a lot of the time, I don't even worry about the angles on NXT because they're all such solid workers. And I know that the match itself is going to be pretty amazing. I did see some of the clips today. They were doing this NXT press conference and it's all in character stuff, but I thought Walter was just, uh, the best he's being asked these questions and he's just asked answering like in a very matter of fact tone that you know it would have been ideal if I could have faced the Tommaso Ciampa of two years ago when he was 
more I respected him a bit more, but this version of Tommaso Ciampa, uh, it'll be fine. But I really wish I could have faced the Ciampa of two years ago. And he's just all these like little just subtle shots that he was taking. I, I think he's like a a dramatically underrated performer when it comes to just his ability to convey that that championship aura and just his speaking ability as well. So I I think certainly that's gonna be a big standout match of uh, the, the whole week uh, as well with, with Ciampa. So I'm looking forward to these shows. I think they should be pretty strong. And with NXT, like you always, like we were just talking about, the fact that you always have that kind of question mark about certain talent that could be moving on. That's something that Raw and SmackDown, I mean, you don't get that luxury because the idea of moving the Raw and SmackDown means nothing. You've mixed up the rosters so much that had you had a true brand split that every year come Mania, I think that would have added some intrigue of if, if someone, it's time to freshen them up and move over, but that holds no substance. Whereas with NXT, you can look at certain performers and and that makes it intriguing of who is going over and could they have plans to pluck any of these people up to the main roster. That's one thing WWE has really lost that I don't think that we've touched on on i don't know if you guys have but i was talking to melter about it last week the surprise element that is involved in the raw after mania you guys weren't you at the dolph ziggler win like weren't you there live yes. that many years ago yeah. yeah you guys were there for that like that moment was incredible the fandango moment the ridiculousness that came about i remember throwing that party at at Bryden's where Enzo and Cass came out and it was mind blowing when we were all excited for Enzo and Cass. That's all gone now. And I listen, I don't know if that's pandemic wise or that's a lot of that I think is because NXT has become a brand unto itself and you don't necessarily have that big surprise debut that we all used to be excited about after WrestleMania, the night of raw that's gone. It's just another show now. And that sucks because that became so special and so excited. And, and and for the hardcore fans, when you were traveling there, that's kind of the show that you were looking forward to the day after. Yeah, I, I think the, the night after Raw, I think that mystique kind of died down several years ago be, before the pandemic. And I mean, with this year where you don't even have fans there, that takes no. so much out of it. I I almost wouldn't want to waste a debut the night after when you have no one to even react to these people. But that's kind of the situation you're in. You can't just put your plans on hold uh, indefinitely if you have a plan for, say, uh, a carry and cross. But, yeah, I, I think that that's something that is definitely diminished from those years where that was uh, a big, you know, the big party show of the year for WWE. And I think it's lessened. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That is WrestleMania week uh, coming up. Is there anything else this weekend that's uh, jumping out uh, at either of you? Mouth, uh, is there anything you're going to be seeking out this weekend beyond the uh, marathon of WWE content? Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I always look forward to just watching AEW on Wednesday. I know it's nothing special. It's not part of this, but I... I look forward to that. There's not, I mean, I want to see the stone cold Jericho thing, honestly. And, and the takeover nights, those, I think those are the big highlights for me there. I have to say, and I think our general kind of lackadaisical approach in this last hour, we're not, I'm not really excited for the WrestleMania cards. There's nothing on it that really, I'm like, I want to see that. Whereas takeover and the Jericho Austin thing, those are things where I'm like, yes, I want to see those. I'm intrigued in those. I'm not very much intrigued with the main mania cards. I want to see what the set looks like. You know, I've already seen some drone footage of um, what um, it, the production of it looks looks like, but 
I, I, I really do miss, you know, having like those big grand stages and with this one being an, an outdoor one as well. Uh, I'm, I'm as excited for that as anything else. Normally, I look forward to Tuesday once we get through everything and this is all done and we can breathe after covering all of this. This year, that's not even there, though. Because Tuesday right. is the debut yep. of NXT on Tuesdays, then yep. AEW on Wednesdays, then Impact on Thursday, and then you're back to SmackDown on Friday. I guess I'm looking forward to the following Saturday. That's what I'm looking forward to, guys, <laughs> when we can take a breath. Does that mean you're not going to be watching Jake Paul and Ben Askren on that Saturday? I will pro- I, listen, I love me a Ben Askren promo, but I'm probably going to be skipping that. Um, well, before we wrap things up, uh, Jay, do you happen to remember the last time the four of us did a show together? Um, would it have been the Royal Rumble at my house? All four of us. Yeah, the Royal Rumble was only three of us, I think. It was the the worst of or best of? It was the worst of show. So I thought we could end things by going back to assess how we all fared in 2018, (laughs) likely and unlikely, and see how how things went. I've not the gimmick. I've not compiled them all for the sake of time, but some standouts here, everyone. So this was compiled in, I guess, December of 2017. Aleister Black wins the NXT title. All of us said likely. All of us were correct. Lucha Underground tapes season four and is still a weekly show. Uh, Agnew and Way said likely to this. Uh, They ended up shooting season four, uh, but it met its demise on Halloween of 2018. So didn't quite make it to the finish line of 2018. WWE leaves the USA Network. All of us said unlikely. Uh, they are never going to leave the USA <laughs> ne- uh, Network yeah. at this at this particular juncture. Chris Jericho is part of the G1 this summer. Jay and Way said unlikely. Chris Jericho did not participate in the G1 Climax that year. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley have a match in WWE. Why was this so far-fetched? Because Bobby Lashley had not returned to WWE yet. Jay, you said unlikely. They got Lashley. They did not put these guys near each other in WWE throughout this particular time. Ronda Rousey has a wrestling match with Stephanie McMahon. This is weeks before she would debut. All of us said likely, and she would have a tag match with Stephanie McMahon at that year's WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt's gimmick is abandoned. All of us said unlikely, but Way was hoping for an evolution to the character. Well, wait. You got it. You got your evolution of the character, where now we have incorporated death. We have incorporated swamps. Fire. Every element has been represented through the fiend, the swamp man, Bray Wyatt. Uh, amazing. Wow. Don Callis and Scott Demore are executives at Impact. Way was the only one who thought this was a possibility. For these two to last together wow. through the end of 2018, uh, the rest of us were more pessimistic. But here they are, all these yeah. years later, still wow. in executive roles at Impact Wrestling. Jeff Jarrett would appear on WWE programming, all of us said, unlikely to this. The man went into the Hall of Fame. He was in the Rumble <laughs> the next year. And, dude, Jeff Jarrett, more lives than a cat in professional wrestling yeah. as he has found himself in the nucleus of WWE. Uh, Conor McGregor vacates his lightweight title. All of us said likely, and that is exactly what would happen. He would be stripped of his lightweight title, uh, though none of us predicted that it would happen after throwing a dolly at a bus. Uh, that was not uh, 
That was not part of the predictions. Uh, Brock Lesnar has an MMA fight. Uh, myself, Mouth, and Way said unlikely he would not fight. NXT moves to linear television. And uh, Jay, you said that after a test of NXT on USA in 2017, it's going to happen eventually, but not this year. The rest of us said unlikely. So I think the long-term wow. game, Jay nailed that one. Yeah, long-term booking. Wow. And the last one, three weeks before he was set to challenge for it, Francis Ngannou would become UFC heavyweight champion. All of us said likely, and given this is a retrospective game, in the end, we were all correct. <laughs> Just took a while. Nice. Long-term booking. Yeah. Oh. And, and then we said at the end, we will revisit this next year. That turned out to be unlikely. <laughs> but we got to it eventually. It well, yeah. <laughs> three years. Well, there you go. Uh, that's the show. Guys, what do you uh, have coming up this week uh, in terms of WrestleMania week uh, coverage? Well, we've got our two after parties. So Mouth and I are going to do both nights of those. Um, and that is for patrons. Uh, they can go ahead and join us live. Uh, now that we're not live on the radio after the shows and we take their questions uh, via Zoom. And so we're doing both Saturday and Sunday night. Uh, along with that, Boris and Matt have got the NXT coverage. And then on Friday, this is one that I wanted to uh, to highlight because I thought that this was uh, pretty cool. So this roundtable here uh, is launching a new roundtable show that we're going to do on uh, Sunday night's main event in our family of shows. The second one is going up on Friday and involves Andrew Fung from Kim's Convenience, K. Trevor Wilson from Letterkenny, and Carlos Bustamante from ET Canada. And we sit there for an hour and we talk about how we all kind of keep in touch via wrestling. And they kind of echo the sentiments with their friends that this is how we keep in touch. And it's like a secret society when you're out there in the business world. And all of a sudden, someone mentions mm. wrestling. Yeah. And you get into this in-depth chat and then you figure out how in-depth that person actually is ecw tape trading came up on this thing um <laughs> so it's it's really fun and it's just kind of neat three people from very different well kind of this we're all in the entertainment world uh but just kind of shooting the shit about stuff uh, and that goes up on the uh patron feed on friday so that is that is a fun one we preview wrestlemania as well so some of the stuff that we talked about here how about you guys we have got uh, our usual roster of shows coming out, uh, but, you know, of course, our friends at Up Next have their takeover uh, reviews, post shows. They're doing watch-alongs all week all along on their Twitch, uh, but if you subscribe to their podcast feed, you get takeover night one and takeover night two reviews this week. Uh, our friends at the British Wrestling Experience have a history of WCW in Europe with Gary Michael Capetta that they did for us on post-podcast day. That's going up on their free feed on Thursday. John and I are back on Wednesday and Friday with Rwanda Dynamite and Rwanda SmackDown, WH Park and Nate Milton will be doing their Falcon and Winter Soldier review on MCU Later, which is a part of our Patreon, and then two nights of WrestleMania post shows coming up this weekend. Live on Saturday night for Double Double Plus patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com, and then live for all patrons Sunday night at postwrestlingcafe.com. And Levansky, of course, you've got the old fucks thing happening. Yep, yep. Me and Joe will run through whatever happens on AEW this week and uh, run down the whole show, give our thoughts, the whole deal. Uh, maybe if, we, if we've seen the first night of TakeOver by that point, maybe we'll talk about that too. So there's lots for people to experience yep. uh, for whatever they sign up for and consume. Well, that's going to wrap it up 
Guys, it was great to uh, to catch up. I'm glad we got to do this show. Uh, best of luck all week long with uh, with all of the coverage. Uh, Mouth, I hope you survive both nights. Remember, moderation <laughs> is key. Yes, and, I will try to remember. Yeah, uh, best to uh, preserve yourself before Randy Orton and the Fiend. Oh God! <laughs> Hopefully that matches first, like you guys were talking about. Get it out of the way. All right. Well, thank you, every everyone, for tuning in uh, on on both of our feeds, and and who knows, maybe we will all get together uh, at some point in the near future. And that is going to wrap it up. Now you are officially ready to begin your WrestleMania week.